the Flex and Froome's daily podcast. Brought to you by Cater. Now, a few weeks ago, we spoke about this thing that I saw, which was basically that there is research that has happened in the UK that shows that putting calories on certain foods, like foods that are considered fast food or treats and snacks like that, there's this research that suggested that maybe we should put on um, how much exercise you need to do to burn off the calories. We were discussing this on the show and I personally, Froome's here, thought it was a really bad idea and I want to do a trigger warning with this one. We're going to be talking about disordered eating and that kind of stuff so you don't have to listen to this. But essentially I was saying, I think it's a really bad idea as someone who's experienced a disordered eating situation myself, knowing how much exercise it takes to burn off calories personally sends me into a spiral. As always on the Flex and Froom show, I often have opinions that I haven't fact-checked, but I thought for this one, we're going to bring in an expert. So I'm talking to a woman called Sarah Barakat. She's a registered psychologist, a PhD candidate, and she works at Inside Out Institute at the University of Sydney. I have her on the line. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hi, Lucinda. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Now, I sent you an email. We've worked together before because I've done one of your programs. Um, mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I, I had a binge eating disorder a few about this time last year and I really needed help. Yes. And you've created a program called BEAT, Binge Eating E-Therapy. Could you quickly explain what that is? Yeah, sure. Um, so BEAT is an online treatment program. So it's 10 sessions long um, and it's based upon the type of treatment that we know, I guess, has the most evidence for what works for people who are struggling with binge eating and that's called cognitive behaviour therapy. You might have heard of it in other contexts before. Um, but yeah, so it's 10 online sessions that you work through either by yourself or you can do it alongside um, the support of another clinician um, and it helps to, I guess, target those factors that we have think maintain um, binge eating behaviours and dietary restriction being one of those, the main ones, I guess. Yeah, right. Something that I took out of that that really helped me that I think about to this day is um, making sure food isn't demonised or not putting food into certain categories. So one of the big Mm. things that I found was um, in my therapy I didn't have to eat dessert, but after dinner, it was kind of encouraged that you can, you know, you can have dessert, you can have treats, you can have this or that, and not putting yeah. certain labels on food. So when I heard about this story, I kind of thought of you, and I thought, oh, I wonder what Sarah would think about this. So just to yeah. clarify, this research was called the PACE program, Physical Activity Calorie Equivalent, and it was yeah. urged to be adopted in Australia. I don't know how far along that is, like if it's actually going to be um, implemented in Australia. But what were your initial thoughts on this? Well, it raised red flags to me, um, and I guess that wouldn't be too surprising given I work in the field of eating disorders, but I think it, I mean, you don't have to work in the field, I think, for this to be quite concerning. Um, I think it's really obvious how this could cause um, some real problems for people. Um, so if we think about it from kind of a clinical perspective, we know that most eating disorders kind of have this hallmark feature of um, a real fixation and preoccupation with one's weight and shape. And if we're using a system such as PACE where we're intentionally bringing someone's attention to the amount of exercise that you need to almost burn off or counteract food, um, with the real goal here of not gaining weight, I think that's gonna, that can be really distressing for people with an eating disorder and really trigger and I guess triggering for them to then go and engage in disordered eating behaviours. And we know one of um, the common behaviours, ironically, is actually exercise. So um, I guess it's quite concerning that we might be promoting or reinforcing um, eating disorder behaviours through adopting such a system. 
totally. When Fox yeah. and I spoke about it last week, we were talking about the difference between um, personal responsibility versus the reality. I'm team drink all the bevies, right? Mm. I didn't know how much sugar was in this stuff until I started looking. I was like, how many teaspoons? Just in this <laughs> small container. And so for me, it's the context of knowing, oh, like that's what they mean. Like this isn't even touching the sides. And if I eat this, it means I'm over consuming. That's fascinating. But then I don't have a quote unquote unhealthy mental relationship with food. Is it fair that a bunch of people who do are now going to be exposed to something that could be detrimental to their health? Not particularly. But then I feel like it's like the micro issue versus the macro issue. Would knowing that about the drinks change your desire to drink them? In some ways, yes and no. But I think what would be beneficial is that I find it difficult to make healthier decisions because things have been categorised as good and bad, Mm. right? And so it's like, oh, you could never have a juice because that's really, really bad and always have water because it's good. I would much rather be able to understand why it's bad and why it's good, you know? So, like, if I'm going to choose between having two bad drinks, which one is less bad? I'd like the um, information to do so. So we were talking about, you know, just because something is going to trigger certain people, other people might find it is actually helpful. Um, What do you think about that? Should we be leaning more towards making sure people feel safe and comfortable or is something like this helpful for the obesity epidemic that's in um, inverted commas? Because I personally don't know how much there actually is an obesity epidemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll go to the first thing that you said around kind of of treading that line between helpful versus harmful. I think, you know, on one hand, you could see how this program um, could provide really easily understood information. You know, food labels can be quite tricky to understand at times. We're all really busy. We want really quick and easy ways of, you know, um, understanding things. But I think it's a really narrow view. Um, we need to adopt more of a holistic approach when we're thinking about food choices. You know, there are so many factors at play here, um, not just how many calories you need to burn off after eating something. And I guess if in the pace intervention they're trying to target um, or kind of to achieve a balance between calories in and calories out almost, I think that's what they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to consider, you know, the broader system at play here um, and the things that are influencing you know, more of a sedentary lifestyle versus an active lifestyle. Um, And I think a blurb on a packet isn't going to do it. Um, You're just going to make people feel guilty, in some cases worthless. And I think people with eating disorders are going to most definitely be triggered to engage in in eating disorder behaviours. So I think when you're thinking about behaviour change um, and thinking how, you know, behaviours are ingrained by much larger systems at play, I think that's the way that it needs to be approached, really. Like, I think it's almost insulting to give people this public health health message on a packet without addressing any of the other factors that are, that are kind of involved in the situation. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's a yeah. broader broader issue. It's not just, yeah, you can't, it can't be explained in a packet. And what do you think yeah. about, because I'm really interested in this topic, obviously having been through it, I love reading about it. I read about it a lot when yeah. I was in the groups of it, trying to kind of like self, self-soothe and help myself and figure out what was right and wrong. And mm. I subscribed to a few different um, newsletters on it. A lot of them are American um, and they kind of 
disprove the idea that there really is an obesity crisis. Like I think for a long time there's kind of like very um, – how would I describe um, the headlines when it's really – oh, sensational headlines. Yeah. This massive crisis. How much is that true? How much is obesity a problem in Australia? And if so, what are your thoughts on how we can tackle it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know what you're talking about. And, you know, it's often that, you know, news article you'll see with the person in a larger body sitting in front of like a billion plates of food. Like, I think there's lots of, um, you know, stigma around it and the way it's it's brought up as being an issue. If you look at the stats and look at the data, I mean, I'm not an epidemiologist or an obesity researcher, but if you look at the data, rates are increasing um, in terms of obesity um, and even in less developed nations. But again, the problem goes so much deeper than packaging. I think that's the main thing um, that's at play here. And I think um, adopting um, systems like this, although they can seem quite attractive, I think what you're doing is you're promoting more shame around eating certain foods. And that's not the way to address um, any kind of problems with obesity. Um, You know, I think this is actually a problem for the community as a whole. We shouldn't just be kind of stigmatising people who are in larger bodies. I think if we think about, okay, as a society, what do we want to achieve? We want to achieve healthy relationships with food and healthy relationships with our body. And when I say healthy, I don't mean, you know, that kind of clean eating approach. No, no, I mean kind of um, being flexible in your relationship with food and balanced and, you know, not having it be riddled by beliefs about making up the bad foods and guilt and shame and all these kind of complicated algorithms. Um, and I don't think we should be promoting this cultural norm in any way to try and, I guess, fix this this issue. I think, you know, people are getting quite desperate and in the messages they're, they're getting more and more twisted. Mm. Um, but I think you know, if we also think about future generations and having people, um, kind of young kids looking at this packaging, um, you know, what we're just going to be teaching them is that you can eat as much as you like as long as you burn it off. And that's not really what we need to be educating people around. Um, and I think it's... You know, if you think you're going to fix an issue or you're going to, um, I guess, have someone change their whole relationship with food by reading a packet in the store, that's not really reasonable or fair. Um, I think it's it's actually, in a way, it's harmful because what you're trying or what you're saying, in a way, is that it's as simple as compensating or exercising off food um, to address you know, what's what's going on. And it kind of adds to a lot of the stigma that we already know in terms of research around, you know, people in larger bodies are often judged as being kind of lazy or undisciplined or lacking control in some way. And I think by um, kind of adopting an approach such as PACE, you're reinforcing this really narrow view around it being a personal issue to address. But if you, if you step back and look at it, I mean, there are so many socio-cultural things that need to be addressed, like the cost of food, you know, mm-hmm. in today's day and age, especially with inflation and what's going on. I mean, how expensive is it to eat foods that are unprocessed um, uh, as compared to processed foods or kind of those fast foods? Um, you know, there's, I think there's a lot more going on here. And I think, um, you know, that there, that there are better ways to be addressing that, really. I totally agree. I want to have my Kit Kat in peace. Yeah, of course you do. That's the thing. And it's not bad to have a Kit Kat. Um, you know, everything needs to happen in context and mm. in, um, yeah, I just think in isolation and without context, I think this system could really do quite a lot of damage. I like that. Well, thank you for doing a little bit of myth busting with us. 
You're welcome. <laughs> if you're Thanks listening to this and you want some more support or you want to hear more, you can go to the Inside Out website. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah, you can. There's also Butterfly and Butterfly Foundation if you want someone to talk to, um, their helpline. Yeah, these are great websites. I feel like with a lot of things that we talk about that are a bit sensitive, you can say, oh, go to this go to this line or do this. But definitely something that I found really helpful is like actually seeking support and knowing that disordered eating and eating disorders aren't, aren't about a lack of control. They aren't about, you know, they shouldn't be shame-based if you're actually having issues with food and hyper-focusing on it. You can get help that will can definitely change your mind and make you feel a bit more peaceful around food. Um, and Inside Out Institute is a really great way, a great place to start. And also, if you are experiencing binge eating disorder, you should Google BEET Inside Out Institute and see if you can do the program. Yeah, definitely. It'll be released to the public in a few weeks' time, so definitely keep an eye out on our website. Amazing. Okay, thank you, Sarah. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flex and Frooms Daily Podcast. For more, tune in to Cater on DAB or stream it on iHeartRadio.